back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer. And joining us now, Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Devil B, Bobby Blaze. Ohio Gosimus, Professor. Ohio uh, Gosimus. Konnichiwa. There you go. Good morning and good afternoon as we're on two different time zones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I speak the uh, very little, especially with my, my hillbilly accent, uh, Japanese, but uh, Ish Nissan, you know, one, two, three, let's go. We're going to record the uh, top 10 wrestlers in uh, uh, in Japan, the Japanese history lesson maybe today. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, just going to have some fun with it. And I've been looking forward to this, man. But um, real quickly, how you doing, brother? I am doing okay, actually. How are you doing over there? Doing good. We had the big show uh, last night, uh, the uh, My Way, that was... Uh, FTC show, which was sponsored by Time Warp, and uh, they did real good crap. New building for them, for them, and that was over here in the Ashland area, again, the greater tri-state area. A real nice building. Um, packed it out, man. Pretty nice. Matches all went real good. I think the uh, I think the show overall was real, real good, and the fans went home happy. I think they got their money's worth, man. Um, hopefully, they'll you know, continue to... to uh, I don't know if they'll continue to use that building or not, but, um, uh, you know, they're going to run some more shows. That's for damn sure. The, uh, uh, I think the, uh, we'll say something. Got to tell going to say, uh, about being a real nice building, uh, good layout, good sound system, you know, no complaints. Uh, like I said, all good matches, good, solid matches. So, uh, just want to get that out there. And then there's Alexa. She don't know anything. She don't know nothing. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Well, so that that means that that event should be up on Fight TV now, then. Uh, Should be. I'm not sure when, but it should should be already getting ready to be up there. I know that. Yeah. They did announce the the next Bluegrass Con, which has come to Ashland Saturday, May the 7th. Um, And I'll have more information on that as time goes on. But we are going to start plugging that a little bit in the next next little bit. uh, courtesy of FTC and of course Time Warp. I'll I'll hit that later on. How's that? Yeah, it sounds fantastic. Tell you what I do know about it. So. <laughs> yeah, um, we we actually have to thank the Time Warp for quite a bit around here. So yeah, yes. we'll uh, we'll make sure we get back to them. Good old Earl, we'll put you over, Earl. You know that. Yep. So, but yeah, the show was real good, man, and um, hope they do it again. You know, I know they're going to have one May the seventh, the night of the uh, Bluegrass Con too. Uh, because of all the people have come to town, they're actually putting together a card for that evening, as far as I know. Again, I, I don't know. I know a couple people is going to be here, but I don't want to give it away right this second. I won't, I won't confirm who that uh, Time Warp is bringing in. Then I can only confirm once they tell me who some of the other vendors uh, plan on bringing in. Right. Know, that way, I can tell you the guaranteed ones. So you don't say, well, Bobby said this guy's going to be here, this girl's going to be here. I only do the ones that I know or, you know, corporate sponsored that they, you know, uh, are, are for sure going to be there. Sure. No, that makes, that makes total sense. Especially yeah. when it's a third party bringing them in. Yeah. 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 They're dealing with agents and this and that. Yeah. You know, and I just know that um, if FTC and, and Time Warp say they're bringing some wind, they, they, unless for some, you know, weather or, or uh, illness or something like that, then, you know, 99% nine time that person is going to be at that event if they advertise them. Yeah, so, uh, no, that, that some makes other vendors you can't say that for if you don't know the vendor, you know. Yeah, no, that makes that makes total sense. Um, you can, yeah, because I mean, they can they can say, oh, yeah, I've got 
Sting. We'll just throw a name out there. Yeah. And then you find out whoever you're dealing with is full of shit and never even talked to anybody to even try to get clearance or yeah. get some. Yeah. I've seen that happen but, at convention after convention, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. But uh, once again, you know, things are um, wrestling worldwise. Things are looking good here in the Ashland, Huntington, Ironton area. They put out a little article again in the um, Ashland newspaper. Um, it was a, a different different reporter but they used the uh, picture from that they had taken when they'd done the anniversary show and of course right there on the front again there's billy blaze that damn guy keeps showing up. <laughs> <laughs> billy blaze was out there showing us one how to how to do something in the ring and uh which is always like malenko used to always say bobby there's nothing older than yesterday's newspaper and and i and i get it i do i really do but i was like Damn, you know, for, for an old guy, you've been in a newspaper here a couple of times lately, but, but they got the daggum name wrong, and and uh, I'm fine with that, man. I just I just laugh at it, you know. Yeah. Because the main coverage was uh, about the show that was going to take place that was on Thursday's edition. So, you know, uh, yeah, Thursday's edition, uh, which was two days before the show. So that's good good free publicity when a newspaper, you know, writes an article about about the company, you know. Oh, sure, absolutely. And you know what? I'm not the kind of guy who's predisposed to having my real name put on newspapers anyways. <laughs> That's me. I don't mind that. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. Call me Billy. You know, call me about anything you want except for late for dinner, you know? Yep, that's so, uh, that's kind of how I yeah. am. Uh, you know, I came All home right. from, years ago, I came home from work one day, right? And my ex-wife had found a box on the patio when she got home. And we open it up, and it's a bunch of Star Wars tiki cups. And it just says, here, you can have this. And it's got somebody's Twitter handle. It was somebody who listened to Geekish Cast had found my home address and sent it to me. Nice. Uh, well, kind of. But, you know, then you start realizing, like, oh, yeah, my life is totally an open book. You Google me. You find out literally <laughs> everything about me, you know. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Well, if anyone wants to send me some Omaha steaks, which has happened, I appreciate it. Uh, um, send me one of those boxes. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I've had that happen a couple of times and, and believe me, I'm very appreciative when things like that happen. Yeah. So, yeah if you want to send gifts, just send them. Um, I won't give out my address right here, but it's not too hard to figure out. I'll say that. Um, just don't come over unannounced. You either text me first or call me first or I probably won't even open the door. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, send, you know, we've got some nice, um, uh, through this, through networking, through our podcast, uh, we have got some nice T-shirts from uh, Sparks, uh, Third Coast. Uh, uh, shoot, I, like I said, I got someone sent me um, uh, for Christmas some Omaha steaks. You know, I had uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, real nice deal. So uh, no complaints, man, on that. But uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, well, you know, and it's like I'm not a big T-shirt guy. Like I, I normally wear a button-up shirt or a polo or something. Um, but ever since Nate passed away, my, my wide man t-shirt has been getting a little bit of a workout, you know? I got you. Yeah. I've got one of the, uh, right now, the Irish McNeil Boys Club shirt. Oh, that's a nice shirt, yeah. Yeah, that's, you have this long sleeve, and I wore it over top of a t-shirt, um, you know, kind of double layered where the, you know, weather's, we had, damn it, 60 degrees the other day, 50 and 60, but we're back down to the, you know upper 20s now which we should be but anyway i don't know how we got them two days in i don't know we did, but yeah this this is a nice shirt because it's the long sleeve tee yeah so. well it's gonna be 77 here today nice yeah nice. i think it's gonna be 27 here 
Yeah, yeah. Well, our winter yes, is shoot. yeah, our winter is over here. We get about six weeks of it anymore, and it's even then it's not like cold, you know. Yeah. Um. Now I'm going to apologize ahead of time. I've got a puppy who is crawling on me, but I've discovered if I lock her out of the room, she bangs on the door and and uh, shouts. So I'm just going to try to keep her in here and hopefully keep her entertained. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what we ought to do. We ought to just get right into this podcast, man, about the top 10 wrestling in Japan, because I think we've got something, you know. Yeah, no, it's not a good. For for us, we're going to, you know, just do our best, and hopefully the fans enjoy it. Um, I think we got some good stuff to talk about here. Yeah, I agree. Um, so what we did here is we're not doing top 10 Japanese wrestlers necessarily. What we're doing are top wrestlers in Japan. So that way we get a little more, a little more room, but we did try to keep it to mostly Japanese people. Yeah. So, and uh, it's kind of a history lesson too. Not so much uh, just this one person or that one person. There's a century or excuse me, decades, decades long careers we're talking about here. Yes. That, the transition of, of the uh, different companies to how some things took place. So we hope you enjoy that part as well. Yeah. So. Well, so I guess, do you want me to start or do you want to start? Yeah, I think you got a question for me and yeah. we'll go from there. So, Bobby, now you worked in Japan. And yes. um, what did you find as the primary primary difference between working in the States and working in Japan? The The biggest difference is to me um, is the, the sport of professional wrestling is just that. They kept it competitive like it was an actual sport and i have a lot of respect for that um so when the if the fans come and they do come uh they want to see a composition and they may know competition rather i apologize they and they want to see that competition how it plays out and they will um if they even know that the finish is predetermined they still want to see that kind of like I was explaining last week uh, when, when I know a finish. They want to see that come off and a pop for that. Yeah. Now, uh, the wrestling, when you get in the ring, you you may think, you know, they'll cheer when you come out. They announce you, uh, you know, and, and and so they, you know, typically just like the United States, uh, you know, they cheer like, oh, here comes, you know, so-and-so, Bobby Blaze. And they, you know, they applaud, what have you. But once you get in the ring, it gets real hush. Every once in a while, someone may yell out someone's name, you know, Bobby, or, you know, uh, Jensei, or Sasuke, or whatever. But, but those, those, those are rare, honestly. Um, you know, it might happen two or three times a night uh, for two or three different wrestlers, but it's just someone just got excited and yelled it out. But, but what they do is they watch you, and they watch you wrestle in and out, um, uh, in and out of holds, counters. They like that. They don't mind that a um, if you if you get hooked into a, um, a submission type uh, hold early on in a match that you grab the ropes. They respect mm-hmm. that. Uh, there's kind of an under underlying rule there. I know UFC, uh, not UFC. I'm sorry, U, UWF over there. And we'll talk about that later on. Uh, they had a rule where you get you, you can go to the ropes three times before you actually basically submitted your fight because they was doing like shoot fighting. Sure. Pro style, you know, babyface going to the ropes three times doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense 
at one time United States for baby face to grab the rope. But if you're in a submission move over there, um, and it could be, you know, say two or three minutes into the match, and you grab that rope, they, they respect that. Oh, the match isn't going, he didn't quit. Uh, but he had to get to the rope. He, he, he couldn't counter that, you know. Uh, but then what they do when that happens, uh, say you counter something really, really quick and you come up and you face off against each other or, you you know, you, you, you hook someone for a submission, you get to that rope and, and the referee makes you break it, uh, they pop. They come, they you know, ah, they get it and they clap for you. So there's a lot of oohs and ahs and, and they just, um, uh, they, they, they observe the, the other thing I liked about it was you'll see uh, people as soon as and these, these tickets are not cheap uh, for professional wrestling there. The yen, I mean, you're talking people pay, you know, top dollar to get in some of these events, uh, events. And you'll see people coming to the shows. Uh, businessmen will come to the shows right off work in their business attire and uh, some of them will get a room in that town. You know, they'll they'll take the train and boom, get to the town, and and you know, watch their professional wrestling. And then knowing they have to be back at work that next day, they'll they'll get a room right there and and zip back. You know, wherever the wherever the show's at. You know, it's it's a very dedicated crowd uh, yeah. to the wrestling fans over there, and they're very respectful, um, very respectful to the to to the professional wrestlers. They're uh, uh, we're gonna go over the, the word gaijin, which is gaijin, which is what the foreign wrestlers are are known as. Um, you know, having pale eyes or you know different skin tone, uh, basically. Uh, but they're very respectful, and they, you know, uh, enjoy seeing a good match. Um, and the um, the fans that come, uh, there's a good interaction between them. There's a lot of respect between them. Uh, they bring, uh, speaking of gifts, getting you some Star Wars stuff. Uh, they bring uh, presentos, you know, presents to the uh, 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 wrestler sometimes. And sometimes that's uh, something they have made for you. Um, maybe they drew your picture. Uh, sometimes they, like, it might be just speaking for me, uh, on a summer tour, you know, uh, the tour bus I was on, we had uh, cooler on it and cooler to beer underneath the. Uh, uh, the cap, the what underneath the bus there rather, and um, you know, t- uh, go to a town a couple times. Next time you're there, they you know bring you a, a twelve pack of beer. You know, mm-hmm. oh, put it in a bus, put it in a bus. You know, and of course you share that for everyone. It's not yours because that's they give it to you, but they know when they're when they're giving it to you, they know you're going to share that. That's yeah. what it's meant. You know, and spread it around. And you, you, yes, and you know that too. You know, so, um, yeah, just little things like that. Just a lot of respect, man. Mm-hmm. When I, <clears throat> that was one of the, <clears throat> excuse me, let me get a drink here. Um, two of my earliest goals in wrestling on a professional level were I wanted to be on a, a TBS on Saturday night, you know, the Superstation. And also, um, when I got really, really started training with Dean um, after about four or five months uh, in Tampa, I was like, <clears throat> Jeremy, I don't know what's wrong with my voice. Um, I really don't, uh, apologize for that. Um, I was out late in the cold last night, but, uh, I wasn't ever cold. I just happened to be out in it a couple of times and yeah. some things for the, for the show, but that might be it. But anyway, um, I, 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 I thought early on too, I thought, Oh, I want to go to Japan. Cause I kept seeing these Japanese guys come to Malenko's and train and, um, uh, see them in magazines. And we used to get the old, uh, videos from there and, 
when I saw the magazines and the videos and things, I said, well, I, I want to really go there. And that's the other thing when I was mentioning magazines, when I saw that question, I wanted to get this out there. They have a, um, a weekly magazine, like Gong Magazine, mm-hmm. uh, Baseball Weekly. They they have um, big in-color, uh, you know, um, not every page, but probably about 95% of the magazine is colored photos. Now, there's some black and white, and there's some advertising in it, of course. But, um, man, um, it's not a, uh, when they put your picture inside that magazine. I've got a few somewhere around here that I've been in, you know, when I was over there for Michinoku. But, yeah, I got to go over there five different times, and um, I went as little as 14 days for, like, 12 matches, and then I went as long as a six-week summer tour, uh, uh, you know, go to all six weeks of that. Uh, most of the time I went for about 21 to 25 days at a time, but um, the other three times I should say, not most. But um, the uh, the thing about that is, like in the U.S., a lot of times you got to, at one point you did, uh, you have to submit your own pictures and submit, you know, uh, let people know who you're wrestling for and you, you send those in, or if you're working for someone, you hope, um, you know, like if you get an introduction, introducing Bobby blaze, you hope that, uh, Cornette sends that to Bill after and Bill calls you and asks you for some more picture, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Kind of have to do your own hustle and hustle for sure. PR. over there. They have, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, photographers that go to the shows that do submit pictures and they do it in a way, uh, you start from, you know, of course, it reads from the back to the front, you know, opposite of the way our magazines are laid out. But on, on so you, so the front of it would be, uh, uh, again, going from the back to the front, but say our back, uh, it would be like New Japan or All Japan, one of, uh, one of the bigger companies first, uh, or the biggest story that week that broke, that would get the coverage up front. And then it would go through to maybe um, Michinoku Pro might be third, and then uh, UWF might be fourth. Again, it's not in any certain order. Uh, uh, after about two or three of them, then they would do a section on wings because there's so many companies and so many matches that were taking place throughout the country during that week. I'm just thinking of some of the ones while I was there, and then you know, like maybe Noah, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just all the the different ones, and then they eventually have in there um, uh, towards the back would be uh, uh, if the WWF had a big event there, they would you know obviously cover that event because it is pro wrestling. Um, Vince may tell you otherwise, but anyway. Uh, and the same thing with WCW, had they done a tour there or uh, several of the NW, um, uh, not, several of the guys from WCW rather may have been working for New Japan that had deals before they went over, uh, come to WCW. Those guys were there, they do a section of that, kind of like an indie type thing. Sure. So it's it's a wide variety. Um, it just didn't emphasize one major company. Uh, it, it and and they came to you, you know, uh, taking your picture and wanting information. And I'd always ask Oscar, you know, this reporter okay to talk to you know, whatever, if they interviewed me. And um, I had a couple of interviews there, but um, yeah, just very, very simple ones, of course, you know. Yeah. Uh, nothing in great detail. Where are you from? Who trained you? And, and how long you've been wrestling? And who some of your favorite opponents were and what you thought about Japan, you know. But yeah, that's that's about the the, the biggest biggest difference is just the, um, the respect of that it's still a composition competition and that they want to see that finish. Um, 
they don't care it's predetermined. They want to see something good take place. Uh, whether you submit, they respect that. Whether you get pinned one, two, three, if it's a good match, uh, they respect that. The, the only thing you do is uh, really is don't insult them uh, by being up there and being a lazy ass in a the ring. They don't appreciate that. And they don't appreciate if you insult, uh, you know, the, the professional wrestling. They they want you to come out there and do what you're hired to do. Well, you know, that's that's kind of a see you. Yeah, that's kind of a ja- like if you have a job at McDonald's mopping the floors in Japan, you don't sit around and piss and moan about the shit job you have. You take your job very seriously. That's one of the they difference. Run. Yeah, Japan and, and and you go to McDonald's. And if you're there for any length of time, uh, it, I enjoyed all the food I ate there for the most part. But after about two weeks, if I was close to McDonald's, I went to one. Um, and I've, you know, I've said several tours. But yeah, someone is taking your order. And while they're taking it, someone else is running to start retrieving stuff to get your order together. It's amazing. And you do not see people sitting around. Uh, you're exactly right. You, you can see someone mopping that floor on one end, someone sweeping on another, and someone picking up trash. And I mean, it's just it, they work like a machine. That's the same thing like the ring crew, uh, the young boys. Once that truck pulls in, they start running. You know, they 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 got that truck set up the way it unloads from the back to the front. They boom, boom, boom. They're taking in what goes in first off the back of that truck, and they're laying a foundation for that ring. You know, and I mean, it's it's amazing to see. Uh, you know, just how the, uh, you know, they, they, they work together and everyone has a specific job too. That's other thing. If your job's are ropes, you stand there and wait until something else has moved till you grab the ropes because you know, you're getting someone's way if you don't, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yep. So there's four guys getting ring posts when that thing's opening. There's four guys out there already laid down rubber mats for the post to go on and then the poster up and boom, next thing you know, there's guys, they're getting rails, they're getting rails, you know, um, for, for the sides. And that's just the way they work. So, yeah, so uh, they take pride in their work. That's for damn sure. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't matter what your job is typically. And then yes. one, you see, I had a friend who lived in Japan for five or six years. He was a school teacher over there. And he told me a couple things like he goes, you know, you're expected to like go out drinking with the boss after work and then stay out till one or two in the morning, get shit face drunk, throw up on yourself, show up to work the next day in yesterday's suit with your vomit on you. And they just look at you and go, you are very strong, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then the other thing was he was talking about like concerts and stuff. So he's like, you know, so there'll be t-shirts and a program and whatever under the seats. Right. Mm-hmm. And unless somebody from the venue on stage says, Hey guys, there's a t-shirt and a program and a picture book, blah, blah, blah. They just tell them that they're there. They'll leave that stuff in those seats when they leave. Unless somebody actually says, and those are for you to take home with you when you leave. Um, all right, so we yeah. have laid out 10 what we are going to say, in our opinions, are great wrestlers in Japan. And uh, we're going to start with number 10 here. Bobby, you ready? Yes. All right, number 10 is going to be, in general, the Gaijin, which is going to cover right. our, our usual suspects, Dory and Terry Funk, Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, Abdullah the Butcher. Lou Fez had uh, a pretty big standing in Japan. He was known as Tetsuo, which translates roughly to the Iron Man. Mm. So, you know, the Von Erichs had a pretty big career in Japan as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. So, yeah. 
the uh, <clears throat> the funks way back when, um, you know, they started, uh, you know, booking people over there at one point because they they had at Amarillo, Texas territory, and Japan would would send young boys over to the funks, you know, to, to train and to get matches there. Sure. Um, same thing with um, different uh, uh different country. Sorry about that. Uh, Calgary would do that. Uh, Mexico, they did that. There was guys that would be sent over here for, for one or two years and work these territories before they came back. And, and over there, that's another thing. The, here's, a, here's something I did like about that. Not just everyone become a professional wrestler over there. Um, most of the time, you have to be selected or you apply to one of those uh, you know, New Japan or All Japan dojos. And um, on that system... It's very strict, uh, regimented, and um, the you worked for about two years, basically doing um, what they call exhibition matches. You know, uh, before you actually got to do a quote professional style match. So they paid their dues quite a bit. So yeah. getting back to what I was getting at is a lot of these young guys maybe for after a year or so they would go out to Amarillo and work with the Funks. You know, they had that relationship with them. And, of course, out of that whole group, uh, we're talking about just the funks here, uh, Hanson come out of that, and so did Brody, you know, mm-hmm. and um, started off with the funks, and, and they took them over there, or at least got them started, uh, got their foot in the door or what have you, and then they took over from there as far as, you know, men being men. Um, same thing with Abby, you know, he, he was something different. Of course, the original Sheik, uh, they were unique characters, um, and – and they became uh, uh, fixtures in, in you know Japanese wrestling, uh, legendary status, of course. So, um, and like I said, you put Dez in there. Some of so he, you know, being an NWA World Heavyweight Champion, that meant something. Uh, so of course they want the NWA Champion to come over and defend his title against their best, you know. Oh yeah. So uh, you know, they got to say you know, again, you're talking race went over, um, uh, Flair. You know, and um, Hogan, of course, worked with yeah Hogan and uh, Bachwinkle. You mm-hmm. know, and I tell you what, if you're looking for, um, I haven't done this recently. It might be a good day to do it. Uh, there's a lot of good footage of. Um, you'll get a Bachwinkle and a um, uh, race in a tag team match. You know, yeah. Uh, you'll get the you'll get the Funks, of course, against uh, Hanson and Brody at some point. You know, I mean, you get some really. Good matchups that you're like you probably didn't see in the United States. Uh, and if if you you may have read about a magazine where maybe Brody met someone here or there in the United States, but but on there on YouTube you can find some really good stuff. Like I said, to see someone like a um, to me like a Bachwinkle. I'm thinking there's one of them he teamed with or wrestled against a race and um, in a tag team match. It's really cool because you know the political. Uh, NWA and AWA, the you know over there to working together because uh, they're on the same tour, you know. Yeah. And that, that that to me is some pretty good wrestling. Well, you know, and occasionally this is like super occasionally, Florida Championship Wrestling or Championship Wrestling from Florida, you would see like Harley Race and Stan Hansen versus the Road Warriors for the AWA Tag Team Championship. Mm-hmm. Stuff you wouldn't really see like outside of those two markets, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things I did want to comment on real quick is that 
wrestlers are big enough stars in Japan, or at least were throughout the 70s and 80s, that often in comic books and video games and cartoons and other things like that, pro wrestlers would be kind of surreptitiously drawn in. Like, Abdullah the Butcher is in Fist of the North Star and several video games and cartoons. Um, characters based on Bruiser Brody show up here and there. So they're, they're a little more mainstream over there, yeah. you know. Funk had something, but I can't remember what it was, um, what his deal was. But I, it was in his book I read several years back, but it's he had something like that going on too. Yeah. So, uh, but that's our usual suspects. I mean, we could talk about those guys all day. And in fact, we have we've put together several, uh, you know, two two or three of our most popular ones. Of course, I'm gonna mention Terry Gordy because that was a another mainstay over there. But we did a special on him, and Brody, and Hanson. Uh, and and actually Abby too. So yeah, uh, those were some of our most uh, our most popular segments or our podcast. Have we done on those guys? Yeah. So you can look back in the archives, and you can find out more information, especially if you're new to the program, to find out some. You know, we did a legit you know top ten reason we love Bruiser Brody or Abdullah Butcher or whatever whoever we was talking about during that time. Yep. So, uh, oh, you know, let's we, move on. How about well, that? Hold on, real quick before oh, we do, we forgot to yeah. mention the greatest tag team of all time, Doctor Death and Bam Bam Terry Gordy, oh. the Miracle Violence Connection. Yes, there you go. I mentioned yeah. Gordy. I forgot, but Williams needs to be in that group too. Absolutely, yes. man. Absolutely. Um, and I tell, there's, you know, I'll tell you this: the the uh, Malenko brothers, some tag teams after get the Bulldogs is on there. That's awesome. Also, uh, uh. Shit, sorry about that. Uh, uh, the Fantastic, that's what I was trying to think oh, of. Oh, yeah. I guess the Malenko's is on there. That's a hell of a match here to find that match. And, of course, you got the Bulldogs on there. Um, from Again, they'd be gaging because, you know, they're uh, English wrestlers. Of course, mm-hmm. I think they booked themselves out of Calgary at the time. But, yeah, so there's so much good wrestling. Uh, if you just just go type it on YouTube, if you haven't already done so, uh, do yourself a favor. Take a, take a couple hours, four hours one day, however long you want to go down that rabbit hole, and just watch you some good, uh, not only just Japanese wrestling, but watch some of the Americans and, and the gaijins, I should say, uh, have matches with each other in Japan as well as with the Japanese superstars. You'll be doing yourself a treat um, if, you, uh, if, you, if you do that for yourself, I'm telling you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, move us on uh, to number nine yes, there, Bobby. Yes, number nine here is... Um, uh, no. <laughs> I'm a master first name, but man, Toyota. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, uh, I'm trying to get something put up here. So, Manami Toyota. Okay, uh, in in his 2002 book, Top 100 Professional Wrestlers of All Time, John F. Malerano refers to. Manami Toyota as the Ric Flair of women's wrestling, arguably the greatest female pro wrestler of all time. It's heavenly and a heavy praise, but it just may be warranted. Toyota raised the bar for women's wrestling to even greater heights in all Japan women wrestling in the 1990s. However, unlike Flair, Toyota was both a master technician and a high flyer. Dazzling flange with moonshots, salt, suicide dives, and diving headbutts off the top rope. And that comes from uh, uh, Sisterhood of the Squared Circle, The History and Rise of Women's Wrestling by Pat Mapardre and Dan Murphy. 
So I just wanted to get that out there. She began her career at the age of 16, making her de debut in 1987 with All Japan's Pro Wrestling. Um, anyway, take over from there, Professor. How's that? Well, so this is one you, you kind of turned me on to. I didn't know a whole lot about her. But she's got like a 30, 30 or 35-year career span, uh, only recently retired. Yeah, I think 2017. Yeah, and she worked at the same place from 1987 till it folded in like 2000, 2008 or something. Yes. I mean, it was a very long period of time that she was in in just one space. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just kind of quickly went over a lot of the stuff about her. And apparently, if you know about her, then she is one of the greatest wrestlers, greatest wrestlers, not greatest female wrestlers, greatest yeah. wrestlers of all time. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, she she had a floor game and a, a flying game. Yeah. Uh, and it's somebody I'm going to have to go watch some of now because I'm only passingly familiar with her. Yeah. Well, she was a four-time WWWA World Single Champion, one-time IWA World Champion, as well as the longest reigning champion, three-time WWA Tag Team Champion, four-time winner of the Japan Grand Prix, five-time winner Tag Team League Best Tournament. She has been awarded seven five-star matches from the Wrestling Observer for her individual efforts and another seven for her work in tag teams, giving her the record-setting 14 as well as two Match of the Year awards and was named Most Outstanding Wrestler in 1995 and inducted to the Observer Hall of Fame in 2002. Um, that's pretty damn impressive, man. That is. So, um, yeah. And, you know, we was talking off air. Uh, her name wasn't really the first one to come to mind for either one of us. Um, and I know I don't. I certainly do not want to do an injustice to uh, women's professional wrestling in Japan uh, because while I was there, th there's another section of the magazine. They always did the women's, you know, all Japan pro women uh, had a section on them there. And I think on at least two of the tours I were on, uh, two of the girls or a tag team, four, were sent over uh, for a week or so of, of the tour I'd be on, you know, so uh, just to mix the show up some. And I did not ever see one bad female uh, professional wrestling match while I was there. Those girls go at it, man. They bust their ass. Uh, but, you know, some other names that come to mind was uh, uh, Boy Nakano. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said Awesome Kong. And um, uh, the, these ladies, uh, Jeremy, that's another thing. In Japan, with you know, you see um, the... Big marquee advertising, you know, everywhere. Uh, just uh, Sasuke done a cell phone. You know, I was like 97. I was there. He was doing a cell phone commercial. You know, had his picture up and I don't know, in billboard in Tokyo or wherever. And, you know, he's answering the phone there, or whatever the commercial is. These girls the same way. You'd, you know, ride down the street and there would be a bill, big bo billboard with awesome Kong and then have the tour dates of, uh, you know, all Japan women on it or something like that. Yeah. So they were, they were over man, huge, huge. Um, and like I said, she, she had the floor game and do the suicide dives and all that stuff. Those girls. And I tell you, every one of them, I didn't know that, one. <laughs> I, well, that damn Alexa, I don't know what the hell's wrong with her today. She's she awesome. Anything. She like yeah. me, I don't know nothing, <laughs> but no, they, uh, uh, man, they, the, the, the back bends, and the calisthenics and the uh, the bridges, 
But those girls, when they started at 16, they take them in, you know, 16, 18-year-old girls. Um, they usually have at least a 10-year run. Uh, they're not allowed to have boyfriends. I mean, it was strict. And then, but, but what it was, those, it paid off for those shows because, man, they were top tier. Every one of them could go. Yeah. Every one of them could go. So, and once again, when you did them, I, I put up some footage of Debbie Malenko uh, for a friend of mine a few weeks back and uh, told her to watch this. Watch this is, you want to see something? Watch this. And um, it was like, uh, that's real. That's real. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you're in the business and you believe that's real. That's the way you got to do your job now, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, that, they just bust her ass and do it, man. But uh, I'm glad we put a lady on this list. Um, oh, yeah. And that's who we chose to go with. And so, like you said, had a 30-year career. Well, so, uh, you know, as Nami, we... Toyota, and I apologize about the name butchering earlier. Yeah. As we get down to, uh, towards Toyota. the bottom of the list, you'll see there's like five or six people that had to be on here. And the yeah. and the rest were ones you know we had to just kind of like make a call who did we feel was you know best represented these positions, um, and you know there should be because Japan's got a really robust women's scene in pro wrestling and has for forever it seems like, yeah. so you know it's kind of important but you know who do you go with, right? That was one of the problems I kept banging into. Well. Uh, Bang in a number eight for us. How about that? All right, number eight, and watch watch how I handle this, Bobby. I can't pronounce okay. his first. I can't pronounce his first name, so I just call him Okada. There uh, you go. That's yeah. what I'd say. <laughs> uh, now Okada is the most decorated IWGP Heavyweight Champion in history. Thirty defenses across five reigns and a combined seventeen hundred and ninety days as champion. Hmm. Um. And then, but for a two-year period, he had he had a 720-day 12 defense reign from 2016 to 2018, just as one standalone period. Um, really, with him, I think you have to go watch his matches to appreciate him. Yeah, and that's what I've got to do. Um, I honestly haven't watched anything for probably six or eight months with Okada on it. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine uh, turned me on to him several years back, uh, probably around 2000. 16 or 17 or so and i've seen some of his matches but that that's that'd be my best advice too to be honest that's the best way to describe just watch some of his matches and you'll be very very impressed and you'll be very very glad you did yeah that um that close or clothesline of his that um well lariat i guess really that rainmaker that is one of the nastiest looking ones i've seen since stan hansen you know yeah, well, that's saying a lot then. It really is. <laughs> now, he doesn't swing as blind. He's got a little bit nicer yeah. short arm setup. But gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, Stan's just swinging for fences oh, and hoping Jesus. a head's up there somewhere and because it's not going to be attached too much longer not, once he makes contact. Yeah, he's going to knock that right out of the park, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, with Okada, you got to watch the matches. And, you know, I, I get a lot of our fans aren't going to be Kenny Omega guys, but if you yeah. get a chance to watch the Omega-Okada matches – Check them out, because they are really, really something to see. Um, now, Okada's still fairly young, and they're already calling him one of the best wrestlers of all time. Mm. So, you know, that's... They choose to feel. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's a that's a heavy load to carry, but, you know, it, it kind of, every time I see him, I'm just, like, stunned by it. I'm just like, Jesus, he's really, really good. You know, kind of like uh, an older 
Kobe Carino in a way, you know. There you go. <laughs> we brought him up a little bit earlier we, uh, off the air, so we'll just kind of leave that at that, I guess. Otherwise, we're going on a whole other tangent. Yeah, maybe we'll save we'll save that one for a little bit later after. Yeah, I think yeah, because so, we're both pretty big on him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, let's go on to number seven here, Jeremy. Okay. Uh, Muda, Kenja Muda, the yes. great Muda. So man, that's he has to make this list, man. Um, when he came to this country, he was a very good looking man, you know, very well built and could wrestle. And um, I think, from my understanding. Uh, if it wasn't for his work right, I mean, getting him over just being a foreigner and being a Japanese wrestler, I think the Japanese, other Japanese wrestlers, uh, uh, I don't know personally, I'm just saying my opinion, they might not like the guy because he, he was just so good looking and so well built and getting over and stuff, and it's hard to present him as a heel because, uh, you know, the, the fans, I think, wanted to, uh, they wanted to hate him, but they also was like, this guy's very talented. Let's, Let's watch him, you know. Yeah. I think some of the other Japanese guys were like, I'm not saying it's jealous, but they was like, yeah, he's, got, he's got something special here, you know. But um, he was just – you put on here, I'll let you read some other stuff. I'm going to put the, the last thing here. Often imitated, man. Yes. That, that guy, he just um, – uh, very in, innovative in some of his moves. The thing was, when he done these moves, he was so smooth doing them. He just uh, – you know, that, that backhand spring uh, to the elbow, to the corner, you know, uh, moonsaults, those type things. I mean, the guy just was uh, uh, very impressive, and he wasn't a small guy. He was a pretty big, stout guy, you know. Now, he wasn't a giant giant, but he, he definitely wasn't small. He, he had was, some he body was a mass to him, yeah. Man. Yes, good size. He was a grown-ass man. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So, anyway, I know you want to talk about the one thing here. Blood. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, well you know we have to bring that up. That yeah. Um, oh, I, I didn't write the guys. I can never remember too. It's Hase. He wrestled a match. Hase, yeah. yeah, against Hase way where it got so bloody by the end that is now uses the scale to rate how bloody a match gets. Um, which I believe one is the full is the full Muda. We have that on YouTube. If you go to the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blade podcast on YouTube, it's one of the ones Tex did early on. Um, I think it's uh, uh, tinyurl.com slash BBBB video. Um, If you go to that, there is a Muda scale on there, and it's Jeremy and I talking about, I think it's the top 10 bloodiest matches of all times. Um, that may give you a starting point as well, but we know Mood is number one. We'll go ahead and spoiler alert because it's been up for two years now. If you haven't listened to it or watched it, why haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it shows some of that match with Hase, uh, if not all of it. I'm not sure how much could have been posted at that time, but, but it's out there. Um, if you want to see a really, really bloody match. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, He's number seven on our list, and with good reason. He right. again, deserves to be on this list. And leader. and he held the IWGP and the uh, the Triple Crown Championship simultaneously. Yes. I think there's only one other person that's ever done that. Um, wow. So I'd, I'd have to check into it. And look, I yeah. get, okay, championships are a work, blah, blah, blah. Still, for that many people to put that much faith in you at one time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, like Buddy Landell used to tell me, Bobby, as much as business is a work, it's a shoot. So and that's the truth. It really is. Uh, those people put in faith that, hey, just because you think someone took a pencil and wrote it down, uh, 
Uh, no, there's a lot more that goes into that. Like you said, you have to have faith in in the product, and you you are the product. You yeah. Know? This wrestler is going to represent this belt that represents our 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 company. You know, so yeah, it's it it really is. Um, uh, as much as it's a work, it's a shoot. It really is. I was going to say something here, and I, I really don't want to get you riled up. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm just going to throw us out there. But, um, you know, Muda also had a manager, and I'm just going to say, Gary Harsh, the devil. He's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if I'm going on a big Gary Hart tangent here, uh, what do you think about that uh, that connection, man, that uh, – they had the Texas and and J Pap J Tex yeah J Tex uh, connection with the uh, with Funk and and uh, uh, Muda and um, uh, Gary Hart managing I mean man there's mass kicker in that group <laughs> oh yeah now did, did Gary Hart really invent the Green Mist oh I don't know I know he takes credit for it with Kabuki but yeah. Uh, you know, we did, I don't even know if we went into that in our Gary Hart segment that we did. That was very popular, by the way. So, uh, yeah, he took credit for it. I get, you know what? He's the fucking devil. I ain't going to question him. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I yeah. don't believe in a lot of that stuff, but you know what I do believe in? And that's for reality. And I believe this. If someone blows green mist in your face and that paralyzes you, that might be reality, Jeremy. That's a good <laughs> chance of it. A really good chance of so, it. So I yeah. Bobby, before we before we get done talking about Keiji Muto, I yeah. watched a match years ago from Japan. And it was like this weird as seriously as the Japanese take wrestling, they also get real like sci-fi with the shit at times too. And I'm always stunned by the stuff that they can do. Um, so, so Muda is summoned to the ring from a lantern that this gay guy has as he's coming out and he doesn't want to fight whoever's in the ring, right? So he's rubbing this lamp and Muda appears. The great Muda appears. Okay. He goes into the match and he's fighting all these guys and this girl comes in and he knocks her down, pulls her legs apart, and spits between her legs, and then she lays an egg and gives birth to another guy. <laughs> and, and I'm watching this, and it's all in Japanese, right? I mean, I can't catch anything of what's being said. And the whole time, I'm just like, what in the fuck am I watching? What is going on? <laughs> this was a massive flashback you had or anything? No, no, this was... <laughs> Uh, there was no psilocybin in my system, nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it was one of the weirdest things I had ever seen. And yeah. I just, I, I, I don't even know where to begin talking about that one. So I, you know, there's no other time it's ever going to be able to come up on our show. So I figured I'd mention it now. Yeah. Well, they're out there, you know. Oh, um, yeah. If, you, if you're an X-File fan, and that was Sasuke's favorite show, or one of, I should say, um, if not the number one, but yeah, they, you know, they're out there. A lot of, I'll say some of these guys can't say a lot of them because some of me Japanese and be like saying all the Americans believe this. Well, there's a large group that I met that do believe in the UFOs. And um, so I don't know what happened with that landing and spitting between the crotch and the egg runs. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Just saying, um, I don't, that that may have to come up again. I want to find out more about that. I'm not, I'll have to find. I'll have to find that video yeah. clip and send it to you because it was just yeah. like the whole time you're just like, "Am I awake right now?" That's <laughs> <laughs> what it sounds like. Yeah. What it sounds like. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to number six here, man. All uh, right. 
Kishi Yamada, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. The um, I got to meet him and be on tour with him over in Australia. I'm going to let you take over after I mentioned a couple of things. Sure, sure. But um, I knew he had went to uh, the Observer, did a, a really nice thing in uh, 92. They did they put together a really nice book, and my brother bought it. We was, we was in Tampa at the time, and it was uh, uh, David put out this really cool book, uh, kind of a just a career highlight of uh, one young Kishi Yamada. And it talked about him going to uh, Mexico for a couple of years and working in Calgary and him making his own outfits, you know, uh, doing the wigs. And then he like grew his own hair out, you know, to make it go with the mask and all those mm-hmm. things. But um, he talked about him doing all these Hindu squats uh, before his match and stuff. Well, I got to see firsthand. First of all, he was a very, uh, I was, uh, he was on the Australia tour with us. Um, and he, you know, he mostly worked with uh, Chris and Dean and, and Joe um, Malenko, uh, th- those four usually work together or a singles combination sometime where they had all worked in New Japan together and no one else in the car would probably keep up with them anyway. Right. But he was very, very professional, very courteous, uh, very alone. He was reading at the time. He had a, had a novel. Um, he was always reading something, you know, on the bus, on a plane. Uh, but in the... Uh, um, then of course, like I say, we ate dinner together. It's not you're not really eating. You're in a group of people, you know, and they're just you know you're being courteous to each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But um, in the um, locker room, man, I've seen them just go over there. Just you do like two thousand Hindu squats as a warm up, and that's 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 a shoot. He he would just knock them out, and uh, I I've seen him and Benoit both do it. You know, um, I, I've done as many as a thousand. Uh, and it just takes time. You do them. I was at at one point. I was up to five hundred every Sunday. And I'm not bragging about myself. I'm just saying because that's what I was taught. You know, in the yeah, way I was yeah. taught. But when you see a guy over there for you know thirty minutes, basically just knocking out two thousand squats and then doing neck bridges for fifteen minutes at a time, um, and just you know, and also going to the gym and lifting for a guy his size, moving some pretty heavy weights around. It's pretty impressive that um, to me. When I saw him uh, doing these things, and I was on his on his tour, professional wrestling tour, I was watching a professional athlete. You know, um, I was telling uh, when I was on Facebook many years ago, I was talking to uh, Bull Payne, uh, and. I was talking about these matches I was just now mentioning uh, with the Malenko's, Benoit and Liger. And uh, I said, you know, it was a great tour, and I watched every night. And, and he was saying, Bobby, those guys you're mentioning, he said, I'm a pro wrestler. Uh, this was what Bull was telling me. He said, Bobby, I'm a pro wrestler. Those guys are professional athletes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's true, man. They, they were in a league by themselves, you know. But Liger... Uh, seeing him work out like that, you, the, success, the success early on was inevitable for him to become a big, the biggest star that he became. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I'll let you go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, that's um, – you know, he was actually – he started under his name, Keiji Yamada. Uh, yeah. But the next year, he was given the gimmick of Jushin Liger, which was an anime character. I believe they actually licensed this character for him. And then the next year, he became Jushin Thunder Liger. So I don't know what the difference is between those two characters, but it's probably some kind of crazy Sailor Moon Ultraman stuff, you know? Uh, 
Mm. Um, he had a, he just retired a few years ago. He had a thirty five year career, um, which is amazing. He said he also spoke better English than you would think, especially when snakes were involved, right? <laughs> yes, uh, yes. <laughs> hey, good recall. You're yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, we were on that tour. Um, uh, one of the snakes that Jake had got loose as hot as it was hot as Hades. You know, some cause it Hades, some cause it L. You know, but it was hot, and I guess the snake twisted its way through the tile on the bag or whatever, and went down in a drain or possibly the toilet. I'm not sure how the plumbing in that facility worked. Now, you'd know more about that than me. Yep, but. It came up in a shower where Liger was at, you know, in another maybe 30 foot across the uh, locker room area. And out of nowhere, you know, you hear, oh, shit, (laughs) in perfectly good English. And Liger comes out running butt-ass naked, soaking wet. Snake, snake, you know. and uh, Everybody uh, thought he was bragging about his pecker, but it turned out to be a snake. But the, uh, the, the, there was a guy and two girls that were in charge of that at any given time. And, of course, they went in there. Uh, hell, Jake wasn't going through anything about it, you know. But they went in there and, and, and got it and put it back in the, uh, the gimmick bag or whatever. And I guess tied it extra tight or whatever. But, yeah, yeah, he spoke good English when it comes to snakes. That's <laughs> yeah. funny. Good recall, yeah. So one of the <laughs> things I wanted to bring up, because I found this the most Amazing thing to watch uh, a couple years ago when I first discovered it was he actually created a character called Kaishin Liger at one point, which was kind of like his evil counterpart. And when I was exposed to it, what I saw was a match between him and the great Muda. And okay. at, at one point, Jushin Liger starts getting his ass kicked, right? Mm-hmm. And he gets his suit torn. And then at some point, the mask in the top half of his suit come down, and he's painted up kind of like uh, the great Muda. And okay. now he starts using moves like Muda. He sprang mist. But when he was first stripped to his waist, the crowd gasped. You could hear a gasp hit when he came out of his suit and then was all painted up like Muda. Um, you know, and that's one of those things, like you were saying, the Japanese, because it was like dead silent besides the ring sounds up until then. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you just hear everybody go, <gasps> and it was kind of like watching Batman fight the Joker, and then Batman takes his mask off, and underneath it is another Joker. Cool. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty cool stuff to watch. Um, I would definitely suggest if you get a chance to watch any of his Kaishenlager stuff, check it out because there there's some, yeah there's some fun stuff in there. Um, Bobby, I just realized out. something, man. What's that? Have you have you looked at the time? Yes, I had. <laughs> I sure have. Um, I thought this is going to be a two. Yeah. Two, part two is going to have to come up next week. Yeah, I think we're going to have to split these in two. Um, you know what? Well, let's, let's do this. Go ahead. I was going to say, why don't we, um, let's talk about the time warp real quick. Yeah, that's why I was going to ask you. We'll do a wrap up in just a second on yeah. what we went through so far. But look here, Jeremy, are you ready for a time warp? I'm always ready for a time warp. There you go. Video gamers, sports fans, nostalgic enthusiasts, man. Time Warp is a brick-and-mortar hobby shop 
with a huge selection of everything sports, gaming, and collectibles right in downtown Ashland. And, Jeremy, they got two locations in the Ashland Town Center. And I'm going to take you down there when you come to town, buddy. All right. Because they've got vintage toys, sports cards, collectibles, and they've got tons of wrestling merch, okay, just so you know. They've got the largest selection of memorabilia in the tri-state area. Time Warp also has an extensive inventory of vintage and current video games and consoles. It's a 100% must bid it for people that come to California and retro gamers. Time Warp buys your collectibles daily and are open seven days a week. Now, here's the thing, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. They're only closed two days a year, and that's Thanksgiving and Christmas. So for seven days a week, 363 days a year, the Time Warp is open. If you're in Ashland, check them out. they got a brick-and-mortar location downtown, two locations at the Ashland Town Center, and check them out on their Facebook at Time Warp Ashland. Yeah, actually, um, if you check them out on Facebook, it turns out most of their stuff they have for sale on Mercari as well. So if you see something you like, go try to find them on Mercari, and you can buy it regardless of where you are. So, you know, that's kind of cool as well, yeah. And you know me, Bobby, I'm a giant geek. I, I, I do classic video games, and I don't really do comics as much as I used to, but I still like buy some toys and things that I like, you know, that I like to have around. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, big thank you to the Time Warp for sponsoring this episode. Um, let's see here. Bobby, why don't you wrap up for us, and we'll yep. kind of plot our way forward. All right, well, top ten wrestling in Japan. We did the Gaijin, or the foreign wrestlers. We did uh, Minami Toyota um, was number nine. We went through number eight, which was Okada. Watch his matches. Number seven was Muda, and number six was Jushin Thunder Liger. We are going to do the top five next week of our second half, or part two of great Japanese wrestlers, or our top ten as we call them. Yeah. And um, man. Uh, Good things, Jeremy. I was looking at that time, and I, I, I think it's a good audible to call, man. Uh, we're right on time, and we got some good stuff left with these other five names with some good stories and uh, tying all the, a lot of the history of New Japan and all Japan pro wrestling and, and just a, a vast knowledge of uh, or a podcast of more history of Japan coming next week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hard to spit that out. Sorry. No, no, it's uh, quite all right because you know it's it's a lot to it's a lot to try to communicate real suddenly. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, where can people find us on social media? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Bobby Blaze seven forty four. Find Jeremy at the Geekish Cast. Find our joint account on Twitter as well as on Facebook at Bell to Bell Blaze, and um, check us out, man. Yeah, absolutely. And if people want to get your books. Yes, absolutely. Just go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. That'll take you to pin me, pay me, have boots, will travel. If you go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook2, that'll take you to I Kicked Out on Two, The Educational Wrestler. Those books are available on Amazon. What the professor's done is shorten those links up. Boom, boom, boom. Show gets a little bit of kickback. And... Um, we sell a book and we get happy about it. So just check those books out for me. Do yourself a favor. Buy yourself one. Buy the wrestling uh, friend or family member and get them one. They'll enjoy it. Do you have any stories about working in Japan in either of those books? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I do a whole chapter on Japan in um, uh, 
uh, shit, Jonathan, can me pay me? Sorry, there's a big story all about Japan. All the tours I did there, I kind of condensed it down to one chapter. But yes, there's there's several references to Japan in Pin Me Pay Me. Excellent. All right. Well, I think that's going to do us for this week, right? Yes, sir. I think so. All right, Bobby. Got anything to say on the way out the door? Yeah, I do. See you at the matches, wrestling fans. All right, everybody. For myself and the late Tex Johnson and Arn Anderson's favorite enhancement talent, Double B Bobby Blaze. Bye-bye, everybody.